Welcome to Soft Girl Radio. This is a comedy slash self-help podcast for sensitive people that is equal parts sweet and salty. We'll be talking about things like anxious attachment, procrastination, and self-doubt, and how to redesign these challenges by starting from a place of self-acceptance, aka giving a middle finger to society's shame and conditioning. Don't get it twisted, though. We're here to heal, but we are also here to throw shade. Episodes will kick off with a soulful and vulnerable chat, but will quickly devolve into game show style segments called Soft Girls Going Wild. I'm Shakira, and I'm your hostess and resident soft yet spicy girl, so pull up y'all and hashtag stay soft. <laughs> hey you, thanks for clicking on this. If you know me, then you know that I have spent the last five years literally talking about how I want to start a podcast. So here we are, we're doing it. (laughs) And I want to just explain um, a little bit about why this, why now, where we're at, where we're going, what brought me here. Um, So I imagine if you're listening to this, then you have probably, you probably know me and you've probably like a little bit kept up with my writing, when I used to do it on Facebook, with my posts, when I've been doing them on Instagram for the last year. And I would hope that if you clicked on this, (laughs) that you liked those things um, and are not just coming here to uh, listen and make fun of me. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I can't imagine that somebody who would want to make fun of me would invest that much effort into it. Did you think that that sentence was going to end in self-love? <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, yeah, so I, I want to back up a little bit and uh, talk about the trajectory of of getting here to this moment where I have finally hit the publish button on this thing and you, the human on the other end, are listening. So, um, yeah, where to start? <laughs> Well, it was a gloomy day in 1989 in a hospital in Watford, England. I'm just kidding. We're not going to go back that far. Um, But I think it probably makes sense to go back um, when I started to really realize that um, procrastination was a major challenge for me. It was really inhibiting my ability to uh, do well in school. It was really impacting, like, my self-esteem and self-concept it was very frustrating um and so that's when I think this journey really started for me I um got into therapy at that time at my college which was uh not a particularly helpful experience um so that was going on (laughs) and then later on um I continued to to struggle with that challenge for like 15 years and then later on um, started to experience lots of intense challenges in my love life as well like repeatedly you know dating emotionally available unavailable people um, avoidant attachments if you know the term having a lot of trouble you know speaking up for myself not having boundaries that kind of thing But in both of these cases, the procrastination and the relationship stuff, like there was a clear pattern, like there were different challenges, obviously, but um, the feeling of stuckness, the cyclical nature of it, feeling like I was powerless to change it, 
sort of um, being in like behavioral cycles that I don't want to call them addictions because I don't think that they are. Um, but being in patterns that could look like addiction to people on the outside. So addiction to like avoidance, procrastination, addiction to like emotionally unavailable people. Again, I I don't think that's the right word or the right way to think about it. But I do just want to highlight that um, it was dawning on me at the time that these two arenas of my life in which I was experiencing you know, a lot of stuck, stuckness and what looked like self-sabotage and those patterns were repeating really sort of inspired me to look at like what, like what's, what the fuck is happening here, right? Like, um, and in both of those cases, I really felt like my connection or disconnection to my self-worth was sort of the issue at hand. So for example, um, I think that there's a lot of stuff involved in productivity that it actually has nothing to do with work or time management there's anxiety feelings of deservingness self-worth stuff I think that those issues are perhaps like a little bit more obvious to see with relationship stuff and I had a hunch that you know really doing work on the deeper um, root cause of reconnecting with my self-worth would be key to like redesigning those challenges or moving through them. I don't want to use the word overcome because I think it implies that something was wrong in the beginning, (laughs) which I mean, things were wrong. I mean, the situation was annoying to me, but um, I think we come by these challenges, honestly. I keep shifting in my chair and I feel like you all can hear this chair squeaking, but in any case... Yeah, we we come by these challenges honestly, right? Like we are given lots of messages um, about our self-worth that impact the way we show up in relationships, the kinds of people we choose and how those messages get mirrored back to us. Um, We get all kinds of conditioning around achievement and getting good grades and what those things mean to us and about us and for us. And that impacts the way that we have our the, our relationship to work for the rest of our lives so we come by all of these um all of these things honestly and I think we all all everybody in society undergoes a lot of counterproductive and shameful conditioning but when you are a sensitive person um and we can certainly dig into like all the different things that could mean I think it it hits harder and I think it's a complex interaction between like more sensitive physiology and ideas from society and culture and like you know parents and upbringing like I think all of it is is really complicated so um all of that to say that um you know I had a hunch like I said that self-worth was really the thing at the bottom of of um both of those challenges I'm being a little reductive because I didn't just have two challenges I had a few I mean I had a few challenges you know um there was the stuff with my productivity that was like a long-standing many many years challenge there was the stuff with men and my attachment that was also a long-standing many years challenge um but has like changed in some interesting ways that we will get into in other episodes. 
I also had these challenges manifest in my relationship with creativity and like life purpose, I guess you could say. Um, so anytime I would try to do anything creative that felt like a authentic um, expression of myself and, and like my tender creative childhood heart or whatever. <laughs> I think if you say the phrase tender creative childhood heart, you have to appear before the modern inquisition. You just must. You can't get away with saying something so um, just uh, intolerably sappy with zero consequences. I believe in a free society, but I also think we should be punished for saying really fucking cringy shit. I'm just kidding. I don't think that. Anyway, um, so um, where are we? Yeah, so I have, I have these challenges with work with attachment, um, and then with creativity. So anytime I would try to do something creative, you know, I would come up against the same like avoidance, procrastination that I was dealing with, with like productivity and work. But there was also like this very, very thick added layer of shame, self-doubt, self-sabotage. And it was really intense. Every time I would try to do something creative, like it was an extraordinarily triggering experience it was like very um it would like totally uh destabilize my nervous system my fight or flight response like it was really intense and bad um and so uh the good news is that I've made a lot of progress on a lot of these things so with my procrastination you know we can sort of expand it a little bit and say procrastination ADHD perfectionism like all of those things relationship to work avoidance like however you I just like keep I keep adding synonyms that are like worse than the last one you know I, I, I really think it's important to destigmatize these things there's too much you know, we shame people who procrastinate we shame people who get into relationships with emotionally unavailable people but there are like really good reasons why people do this and those reasons are usually subconscious, not conscious. So we'll dig into all these topics on the podcast in, in later episodes. But right now I want to say that with my procrastination stuff, I um, had a major shift when I started to view my challenges as like, okay, I am not going to try to fix myself. I'm not going to try to like be productive like a quote unquote normal person you know I'm gonna like work with myself as I am right now and instead of my efforts being um geared towards solving or fixing myself I'm gonna make my efforts geared towards like working around myself working with myself making my life easier and it sounds like Maybe that sounds like a subtle shift, but it wasn't sh subtle at all. It was a major shift. And like all of my behaviors that came after that, um, first of all, totally different behaviors. Secondly, they were much more effective because for the 15 years before that, I had just been like trying to fix myself, like therapy, books, coaching, like medication, which I couldn't take for ADHD, although there's nothing wrong with ADHD medication um you know I never realized how much my chair fucking squeaks until I tried to do this this chair isn't that old but it's like squeaking <laughs> can you hear this squeaking okay um so funny the words ADHD are coming out of my mouth as I'm like actively getting distracted by the squeaking chair 
So, um, yeah, I had done all of these things, right, and tried and failed. And I think it's important to talk about, like, the trying and failing process, like, had the same feeling of stuckness as the challenge itself. And so not only was I, like, not able to focus is one way to say what I was experiencing, but I also was, like, trying and trying and trying to fix it and failing and failing and failing. So I was feeling powerless both ways, right? And it was just sort of piling up into this huge general feeling of powerlessness. So fast forward, I I make this huge mental shift to designing um, around and with and for myself rather than trying to fix myself. It took me like a year and a half of using an amazing um, tool called Focusmate. We'll definitely talk more about Focusmate in future episodes an amazing tool called Focusmate using timers, using accountability partners. I got to plug in my computer. So if you hear it, if you hear that, that's what's going on. This is like anti-perfectionist conditioning in real time. I wonder how many people will log off at this point because they're like, am I really going to listen to this girl plug in her computer right now? Um, Oh, you guys are good friends. We're almost there. Okay. Um, your computer will plug at the slowest rate possible while you are actively recording something. By the way, if you wanted to know, like, one of the the immutable rules of the universe of physics, it's that when you need to do something quickly, it will not work. Um, okay. So, right. So it took me a year and a half of working with timers, accountability partners, using Focusmate, like, and really finding a community of other people who had dealt with procrastination issues. And like, I almost don't even want to call it procrastination issues. I think these are people who are non-linear thinkers, people with ADHD, people with autism, people who are neurodivergent. Like, it's, there's nothing wrong with us or the way that our brains work. Um, it's just that society isn't designed to support people like us. It's not designed to help people like us thrive. So anyway, I found a community of people like me who were doing the same thing, trying to design with and for themselves. And so it's not just the tools that were healing, although they were the timers and accountability and focus made and all that stuff. Um, I think it was like also this cocoon, this this atmosphere of like I am I am not broken like the opposite of the 15 years of fixing I was trying to do I am not broken there are other people like me I'm valid I deserve support I deserve tools that will work um and so it was it was really like it was living in an uh, it was almost like living in a parallel reality where there are different like values but more than that like different truths about like what is real um truths that affirmed me and my humanity my authenticity that made me feel like I belonged and so a lot of healing happened in those spaces for me and my relationship to work today is like completely transformed so for example I can like start something and finish it (laughs) I can like reliably tell myself like okay I have to do this XYZ thing and I'm going to do it. Um, 
And those sound like really amazing things. Like that's all I wanted, right? For 15 years, that's all I fucking wanted. And now I have it. Um, but it, like I do want to say that the process of what it takes, what it looks like for me to get something done is different than than like a quote unquote normal person. Like I still have to use all my tools and stuff. And I think the very, very big difference is that I no longer lie to myself. Like I lied to myself for 15 years about like what I could do, what was doable, what was respectful to myself, my brain, my body, what was manageable. Like I can reliably get things done and that's like a huge deal, right? I I actually would say that my um, intention setting and following through executive functioning like focus like those things like sometimes I bet that they are better than like a neurotypical person not always <laughs> sometimes I would bet that they are like that's how powerful my tools are like that's how powerful this shift has been for me but um I it it like doesn't look the way that I thought it would look in the 15 years I was trying to fix it and make it go away like it's not like a point and click type like be productive the whole fucking day get a bunch of shit done no like part of part of why I can do the things I set out to do now is because I don't set out to do that many things in one day because I know what is realistic for me so I don't want to misrepresent this shift transformation beautiful change it is all those things I also don't want to undersell it it is all of those wonderful things and like the way that it looks is super different than I thought and like wanted it to be and dreamed it would be. Um, and there is, it's not just the tools. It's not just like doing things a different way. It's also the emotional components around like self-acceptance, like integrity, not lying to myself, like also like self-compassion, that productivity is always going to look different for me than it does for other people. Like grief, grieving the fact that like it's never going to be the way that I like dreamed and wanted it to be for 15 years. Do I think like if I could press a button like and focus like a normal person for the rest of my life, would I press the button? You know, I I don't know. I'm not going to lie to you. Maybe maybe I shouldn't have said that on the podcast because I don't know how to answer that question. Um, It's still a struggle. Like it's still something that I have to... I don't want to say it's a struggle. It's not a struggle. It's still, um, it's like something I have to manage. It's something I have to manage. I have to use all my tools and tips and tricks. Like, um, so like there, it's not like easy. You know what I mean? Um, at the same time, like, do I think if I could focus like a normal person, whatever the fuck that means, do I think I would be creative? Do I think I would be deeply empathetic? Do I think I would be recording this podcast right now? No, I don't. Like, I think that there are, you know, when when you grow up as a sensitive person who doesn't quite fit in and the way that you are starts to brush up against society's expectations for you and like what you're supposed to do in gigantic like, air quotes supposed to do it can feel like oh I have all these problems and I just wish they would go away and like I have of course all the empathy in the world for that and those challenges are real the pain and suffering are real the added costs in therapy are very much real at the same time like I think there's a flip side to all of those things like if you can redesign your life to be supportive and affirming to you like the the things about you 
that like are brushing up against society's expectations and making shit really painful like those things about you when you kind of create your own cocoon of reality of like what is real and possible and valuable you start to meet people who can affirm that you have structures in your life that mirror that to you like the things about you that have made it so difficult to live in society you can you can reconnect to the beauty of those things more deeply and see them as like part of the whole picture of who you are as a person Um, and that doesn't I say that not in like a toxic positivity spiritual bypassing kind of way because there are real costs there is real grief associated with being a way that is not like society wants you to be maybe your parents want you to be that like isn't working with the current job you have maybe or like you know you're coming up against challenges in your love life like that's real it's real and and I do think that there's like a lot of redesigning that you can do to like play to those things turn them into strengths like make them um less inconvenient like there's a lot there's a lot of room to move once you make that mental shift that I was talking about earlier so um and that's really what I've been able to do in all in all of these arenas like And I'm not saying that I'm 100% done or healed or that I've figured it out. Like, that's not the case at all. Um, But I have, like, figured a lot of it out. And, like, my life looks and feels really different than it did a few years ago for the better in all of these arenas. So, um, yeah, I'm, like, and I'm not trying to, like, preach to anyone. I really just feel, like, a deep responsibility to share like what I've learned and um you know to have to have some fucking fun with this thing right so um I, I said all of that to say that uh you know I was just thinking about this last night that if I didn't have um like all these cha- I, I in terms of like how far along I am with each of these challenges I would say I've like done the most healing and made the most progress with like work and productivity ADHD stuff like I've made a lot of amazing progress with like attachment, men, relationships, communication stuff. And then the creativity stuff feels like I've made a lot of progress and like I'm on the right track and it's going to be beautiful and wonderful and hopeful. But like that feels like the thing that probably is like, I don't want to use the phrase least healed, but I mean, it is like kind of, tr- <laughs> it's kind of true. Anyway, I, 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 um, I had a conversation last week that was like really upsetting about um, creativity, about my creativity, and I got like super triggered. I got triggered in a way about creativity that I haven't gotten triggered in a really long time. And, you know, getting triggered like that is sucks for two reasons. Because getting triggered sucks, but also because like, getting triggered can like evoke a lot of um counterproductive self-defeating thoughts like I thought I was more healed than this how is this happening again I feel like I'm in the same place is this going to happen forever and so I think like with therapy and self-compassion and pausing and like taking care of your nervous system you can kind of mitigate the impact of like the second wave of getting triggered like getting triggered because you're triggered you know what I mean but I um didn't 
didn't do a particularly good job of that last week. In any case, I, um, yeah, I got really triggered and I was like, you know, I got into that very victim mindset like place and I was like, damn, I can't believe like, I can't believe this is still happening. Like this has been a long time since I felt this way. I thought I was over this. I thought I was healed from this. And then I was like, wait a second, if I didn't have this problem, right? Like self-doubt, self-sabotage, like shame around creativity, like I wouldn't have my point of view. Like I would have nothing to joke about. That's where all my humor comes from. Like that's where my entire fucking point of view comes from. So I say all that to say that, and I'm taking more of like a Buddhist maybe existential approach to this this stuff because I think some people are like well that makes you you and you can turn it into a strength and like it gives you it it like you know is a unique thing I think like those things are true but I am also acknowledging that there are real costs inconveniences grief like even in my life like how far I've come with these things like I'm still gonna pay the price for the rest of my life like a price you know I think privilege my privilege mitigates like a lot of what that price could look like if I you know was darker or poorer you know but I am going to pay a price for my ADHD in some form for the rest of my life regardless of how far I come like designing my life and like designing these structures and Maybe that price is like smaller and more manageable because of the progress I've made, but it's still there, right? And of course, it's significantly smaller and manageable because of my privilege, like I mentioned. Racial privilege, um, financial privilege, all those things. In any case, so uh, yeah, Um, when I say darker and poorer, by the way, like I hope you know I don't mean it in a diminutive way. I'm like trying to illustrate that like I, I benefit from a lot of privileges and those privileges impact the way that these experiences like in attachment with trauma, with creativity, with ADHD, like they impact the way that I experience them and how hard life is for me because of them. Okay, back to what I was saying. So um, I... I there are real costs to this stuff, right? Um, and there's like a lot of beauty. So what I'm trying to say is I'm not trying to say the beauty makes the costs worth it or outweighs them. I'm saying that they are both parts of who we are. Like these things are like... Um, it. So the, the Buddhist existential piece comes in in like a full acceptance of what is, a full acceptance of who we are to bravely see and acknowledge that with eyes that are both like seeing clearly and being really gentle with ourselves like that's really the the thing I'm trying to get at so that's like what's been going on with my with my productivity with my attachment stuff like man I definitely feel like I could fill many podcasts talking about this but let's just briefly overview it you know I was stuck in this relationship pattern dating emotionally unavailable people um if you're listening to this you probably know me and know that I have been struggling with chronic illness for the last four years um having to do with like mold autoimmunity type stuff I have been relentless about trying to restore my health 
working with like doctors, changing my diet, making all kinds of lifestyle changes, like being in trauma therapy, like I've done all kinds of stuff to try to get my health back. And I talked to a really renowned doctor, this old doctor who's been treating people like me for decades. Um, And he has all kinds of training, conventional medical training, and then all kinds of other training. Anyway, I I got to a place in my health journey where I had really tried everything. And um, like nothing was working. I was stuck. So I paid 500 bucks to talk to this guy for one hour. I'm sure it costs a lot more now because this was in 2019. You know, I was like, this is my situation. Like, I can't tolerate the treatment for mold and like I'm stuck, you know, and like this is what's going on. And he was like, yeah, your nervous system isn't, is like, um, doesn't feel safe. Like you're in fight or flight. And you definitely do have this mold illness autoimmunity thing that needs to be treated that is clearly impacting the way that you feel but you you can't like you're not going to tolerate the treatment until you calm your nervous system down and in order to calm your nervous system down you need to release like this trauma he's like I don't know what this is I don't know what the trauma is I don't know if it was like a single point thing or something that happened like chronically over time but I will tell you that when I see this pattern of people trying all this kind of stuff and sometimes it works for a little bit and then it doesn't like it's usually some early like childhood stuff that is like you know could be subconscious or potentially repressed whatever I know this sounds really weird but this guy like has written many many like beautifully deeply scientific books about like mold illness and so I trust him a lot and so when he said that to me honestly I'll be honest with you like I I knew exactly what he was talking about like I was like of course like my relationship with men and how much it has fried my nervous system like and how much it continues to be a source of fear and anxiety of course that is impacting my health (laughs) like of course it is I, I don't think that that was necessarily like um groundbreaking news but I do think that um tying it so closely to my health outcomes like that gave me a lot more motivation or I should say gave me motivation to change the pattern because I'll be very honest with you I was not particularly motivated to change it because I was getting a lot out of that pattern and again I think we'll discuss and dissect that in future episodes but that All that to say that that's when I really dug my heels in and was like, okay, I got to change this now. Like, I just got to do it, you know? It's been so many years and and yeah. So I like took a long break from dating. I read this book called Attached um, that you might have heard about. It's a very famous attachment book specifically written for anxious, um, anxiously attached people. And I tried to like pick different people, show up differently in dating, and I did, but boy, has it been a, you know, I thought, okay, I take my break from dating, I read my little book, and I kind of, kind of showed back up in the dating world with, like, bright eyes and, and a bushy tail, and like, okay, I did it, I like, you know, I went to school, I read my book, I took a break, I'm ready, I'm ready for healthy relationships, and spoiler alert, that's, it was like a lot more complicated, and, um, So a lot of beautiful things have happened since then. I've definitely had like 
deeper, more authentic connections with men. Like I have experienced like things that are closer to what I am, you know, what we think of when we think about true love, like deep, deep spiritual connections. Um, But as I keep alluding to, it has also been like messy and complicated, essentially because you can change your surface level attachment behaviors. You can change the kinds of people you're picking and you can change the way that you're showing up. You can even set boundaries. You can tell, you can say your needs. But in my opinion, this is my humble opinion as not a doctor, not a therapist. Again, not a doctor, not a therapist. Um, like if you don't deal with whatever deep-seated like origin trauma that like started this cascade of you then picking people who then re-traumatize you, like if you don't deal with like the the where it started, and I'm not saying you deal with that by remembering or talking about it. I don't think you have to. But uh, I think for some of us, we can change a lot of the surface level behaviors if we don't deal with the place where it started. Like it could just like keep morphing, showing up in different ways, continuing to be triggering, um, which is, you know, that's what happened to me. <laughs> so um, it's been a, a long 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 winding road with that but I've made I've made tons and tons of progress and like I've said like I said I've experienced deeper more resounding beautiful intimacy I've set boundaries had people react well also not well but also well you know it's it it has opened me up to to more deeper connection and like a breadth of sensation not just physically but emotionally and spiritually that I didn't have when I was kind of stuck in my older dating pattern and then um wait so let me make sure that I tie that bow up yeah I've made a lot of progress I think the thing with with dating that I want to say is that even though I have still have ways to go healing the more you know kind of the origin I keep referring to origin trauma not because I think it's important to go back to like that specific thing that happened to relive it or talk through it or even to remember it I I keep referring to that because I think that those very early experiences when we're kids or babies even um they just get uh sort of etched in our nervous system I keep talking about nervous system it's your fight or flight system um some would say also like you know like your brain and your soul combine like it depending on how woo you want to get with it but I feel like it just it, it it impacts you on a like more organ system like the way that your body primitively primarily learns to be safe like it's like a I think there's attachment stuff that like can impact your communication style and like your dating behaviors, this is like more like deep guttural like shit, you know? And um, that stuff, in my opinion, is much more, um, it's easier and more effective to work with that through like body-based therapy, like somatic therapy. We'll talk more about these things in future episodes or like psychedelics, things that can sort of bypass the conscious brain because that's not, that's not where any of this stuff really lives, you know. I mean, it can manifest there. It, and and I think we, we when we grow up with 
this deep, what they call developmental trauma that happens early, early in life, usually with our primary caregivers, aka our parents, family that raised us. Um, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be like sexual abuse, by the way. I'm sure that's what it sounds like. That's not what it is in my case. Sometimes for people, that is what developmental, early developmental trauma looks like. For me, that's not what it is. And for many people, that's not what it is. It can just be like a parent that's like busy and like not available or intermittently available. And we just, <laughs> you know, we interpret that very very deeply and personally when we are children because we can't make sense of the world any other way right and in in any case um yeah uh, it, it you know when your developmental trauma interacts with like your experiences and then you have experiences in your relationships or your love life that like continue to confirm your deepest fears that are not reality but are like related to this like very core wounding, this like developmental trauma, then it it influences like the way that you show up, the way you initiate, the way you set boundaries or don't set boundaries, like the way you engage in physical intimacy. And those things can look like habits and personality, but they actually have this like, again, like deeper, more guttural, sort of soulful, force beneath them so I have done I guess what I'm trying to say is that I've done a lot of healing of my attachment patterns I've totally overhauled the people I pick the way I show up in dating you know I've started to set boundaries talk about needs and wants like say what I'm looking for up front not personalize reject rejection like not play games like not try to turn emotionally unavailable people to be available so that I feel powerful and special like I've worked through a lot of that shit and like that is worthy of celebration and it's it's like beautiful and amazing um and like the developmental trauma piece that more deeper stuff it keeps showing up for me you know it's showing up for me in different ways because now it it doesn't manifest in the things that I've painstakingly top down like changed in my habits but it's like still showing up for me like it's it shows up in the way that I get triggered it shows up in like the way hope feels for me the way fear feels for me like it's still you know uh yeah it's still a thing so uh that's kind of where I'm at with that and then um with creativity I have like made a lot of strides I think like if you've been following me on Facebook for a long time then you know I shared a lot there, but it was to to like a closed audience of a thousand people, you know. Um, and then I started doing stand up comedy five years ago, you know, did it on on and off for five years. Obviously, that is <laughs> that is a lot of like exposure. You know, you could call it exposure therapy or like um, a boot camp or like a lot of rigorous practice in vulnerably sharing my work. Um, so yeah, I've I've done a lot of that and I think I've the the kind of executive functioning ADHD stuff that is related in creativity because I've made so much progress there. I think I'm more used to doing things incrementally, less perfectionistic than I used to be, but in terms of like 
how activating it is for me emotionally, how triggering it is, and how difficult it is for my nervous system, I think it's a lot better than it was before by virtue of all the practice I've done and all the healing I've done. But it's definitely still a thing for me as evidenced by the fact that I got, you know, really, really triggered last week. So um, that's sort of like where I'm at. And I, I wanted to bring up these things because... Um, again, like I want to talk about like, why are we here now? Like, why now? Why are, why am I doing this podcast that I've said I've wanted to do for five years now? And so all of these experiences that I just relayed to you and, um, kind of the shifts I've made, like the way that I think and look at them differently. Also the way that my personal struggles have existed in, in this cultural context of like, Hustle culture, capitalism, racism, misogyny, like those things deserve, you know, their visibility. Like my story isn't complete without talking about the cultural influences and not just the way that I've been oppressed by those things, but also like, like I referenced before, like the privilege I have in these systems as well. I think it's important, you know, for all of that to consider all of that in order to like really appreciate the the full story of what is happening but I I say all of this to say that I have brought a lot of heaviness and pressure to the idea of like living my purpose living my dream it's been like the same like self-critical pressure that I was used to putting on myself before which I've gotten you know much better at not doing not perfect but gotten a lot better it's it's the heaviness and pressure of that stuff um Plus like, plus like this feeling that like I have had all of these insane atypical experiences like with productivity and ADHD, with relationships and attachment, with healing my trauma, with creativity, with my health. Like it's going to sound silly, but it's it, from my view as the person undergoing all of these huge transformations and like very, very strange, absurd experiences that most people do not go through. And undergoing some of these transitions at the same time, um, it's clear to me that that like my job, you know, karmically, spiritually, is to like share this story, share, I'm like getting a little emotional, it's so funny, share this story and like share the things I've learned and like share, you know, how I've gotten to this place of, um, more self-acceptance more self-love but more than that like more freedom more pleasure more belonging like having a bigger beautiful life in in the face of all of these systems and societal conditioning that like don't want us to do that like as a sensitive person I do feel like it's my job you know as a sensitive person with privilege to share this and like I I also just want to like I think it's important and I want to make it funny and I want to make it playful but to the heaviness and pressure of creating something plus like all this baggage I'm bringing with it around like purpose and dharma this is my karma this is the way I pay back like all the healing and therapy I've been able to do like uh, it has made it really difficult for me to move on it because it just feels like a it feels first of all putting all that pressure on it makes it not fun and secondly, putting all that pressure on it, like, makes it feel like a lot of pressure. I mean, <laughs> you know. And so 
um, I have spent the last like year and a half, I would say, really trying to figure out like where can I find joy in this process? Where can I make it my own? Like how can I like, again, like find pleasure in the process itself? And I think even more than that, like how do I value my own pleasure and enjoyment? It's not just about helping other people. It's not just about making good on my like karma or my dharma or that stuff. It's not just about living my purpose. It's also about me having fun. Hopefully me eventually being able to make money from this podcast. Like make it my job. Like have fun with my other fucking sensitive, hilarious friends on the podcast. Like being able to pay people who appear on this podcast. Like it's about all of these like lighter, more playful things. Um... But it really kind of starts with this idea that like if it feels hard, if it feels heavy, if it feels pressury, like it's not it's not right. Like where's my joy? Like where is it feeling fluid? Where is it feeling easy? And so it's it's really sort of reframing. Again, it's funny that I'm learning this same core key lesson about not seeing myself as the problem, but really designing with and for and around myself. And viewing like, okay, where's their pleasure and joy for me in the creative process? Those things are portals for me. Like not looking, fixating on the roadblocks, things I think I should be doing but I don't want to do or am not doing. And like, again, wanting to like fix, force myself. No, like where where does it, you know, I keep saying it. I'm sort of going in circles now. Where does it feel fun? Where does it feel easy? And so... This is what feels fun and easy for me now. I I think like five years ago I wanted to start a podcast not just because I thought that I should but because I thought this medium would like work really well for me. It was exciting to me and so I'm in a way getting back to my roots of like this dream that I've had for so long and like what were the glittering shimmering fun parts of that dream that attracted me to it in the first place and how can I like press into that and like how can I like really magnify that in the process of doing it and letting go of like all the ways I thought again same themes (laughs) that are coming up again and again letting go of sorry did you guys hear my calendar go off (laughs) um letting go of all the ways that I thought this should look like I was like okay I'm gonna have a business I need to employ myself so I need to like write articles on medium I need to have an Instagram um Instagram presence I need to like do a podcast I need to do all these things I need to have online courses I need to do all these things at the same time and it honestly was like really really exhausting and like it just didn't work well with like my wiring and conditioning and like all the ways I already get tripped up you know like it was just a manifestation of all that same shit like problematic shit behaviorally that I know now I know now doesn't support me and like emotionally putting all this pressure that is also like it does not play nice with like my pre-existing baggage so this is me trying to like really press into like what feels good what's fun and it doesn't mean that it's not difficult doesn't mean that it's does not prompt some avoidance really because it's like a new thing and I think new things are scary because we I feel intimidated when I don't know how to do something like the process of figuring out something 
my friend Maxine likes to say it sucks to suck and that's <laughs> that's sort of what the process of starting something new feels like but yeah uh, you know even though it still has those elements that I can use like all the things that I've um practiced and done and developed in terms of like helping with like ADHD and focus like um it still feels what I'm trying to say is that even even our most glittering shimmering dreams are going to have some mundane components components where we're going to have to be like more organized and motivated than we want to be but I think getting the ratio right like is this mostly fun like do I still want to do it do this does it still feel like exciting you know that's really uh, where it's at. Uh, and intention. Like, am I doing this because I want to or because I feel like I have to? So for me, this is really me trying to do it because I want to. So I've really whittled down this, like, heavy responsibility that I... Sort of narcissistic to think that my purpose in life is to help other people. Like, maybe that's part of my purpose in life, but... Do I not think that part of my purpose in life is to also just heal for myself? Like to also just like come to all these truths and conclusions and have different, better, more meaningful and beautiful experiences with work and creativity and in relationships just because I myself as a singular human deserve them? Like I I think I'm coming to that conclusion that like this isn't about me like repaying, you know, that doesn't mean that I don't feel a responsibility to share like from from a place of like being excited to share but sort of reframing all this fucking creative pressure and like this baggage around life purpose like it just is it's honestly paralyzing and stifling more than it is like motivating so that's kind of what I'm getting at I didn't do a particularly incredible job at explaining that clearly but I think you probably catch my drift you know really valuing my pleasure and enjoyment from a place of self-acceptance not seeing myself as as the problem watching out for portals of creativity and really going towards those rather get it rather than getting like um tripped up on roadblocks and trying to like troubleshoot those rather than just doing what feels good fun exciting easy starting small like like knowing that like my impact may be small and that's like okay knowing that this isn't just for other people it's also for myself and part of my dharma my karma is to have fun and be well to own my story and above all like the way that this thing looks this podcast and anything else I'll do you know in this arena it's gotta work for me it has to work for me you know and this idea that like where there's energy and joy and ease and fun like that's where I should be looking I'm trying to recap all these things we just discussed in hopes that that will make my position clearer just because you can do something doesn't mean you should my therapist told me that her advisor once told her that and she she thinks about it all the time so that's sort of you know where I'm at um I, I will also just briefly say that I think life life purpose stuff has a lot of that like heaviness pressure obligation but creativity also carries its own baggage around like am I credible enough to do this do I have permission to do this like and I think the way a lot of people get um hung up on like do I have the right equipment like do I know how to do this properly comparing 
they're like level one to other people's level 15 like it's because creativity is very vulnerable and we look to all these like things the right equipment the right methodology as a way to give ourselves credibility and permission but you don't need that like creativity is a divine force it lives inside of you like you don't need any of that and ultimately I think like part of what is so beautiful beautiful about creativity is that it is should be or hopefully is like a fully immersive thing that combines like your deepest authenticity and vulnerability with being in the present moment of like participating in this divine force of creativity like we are walking creativity right somebody made us like if you don't believe it's god then it's your parents like we are creativity embodied and so when we participate in creativity we are taking place in a very age-old ritual of which everything in this universe is like an expression of that creativity. And so you don't need the right equipment. You don't need the right methodology. You are creativity. It's, it's just a moment-to-moment decision about whether you participate in this thing that lives inside of you all the time. And so, um, yeah, that's... <laughs> that's where I'm at and so um I appreciate you being here I cannot believe I've been talking for 52 minutes but then again I kind of (laughs) can so this is this is you know what we're doing here I um want these episodes to be deeply grounded in stories so the way that I'm gonna start is probably not the way I'm gonna end (laughs) like this is gonna evolve as we go but Um, what you can expect in the the near future is I'm getting this episode up, the one you're listening to now, because I want to like get my first episode up and like make sure that no one else can take the name and like have my dashboard ready and stuff. And then I have to like um, kind of focus on myself, my work uh, for the next like three weeks. (laughs) And then um, I don't know, it could be like four, five, six weeks maybe till you see another episode. And then you can expect um, episodes that are going to be conversations between me and my friends who are smart and funny, but who have like dealt with some of these things, procrastination, anxious attachment, self-doubt, the way it manifests at work, with productivity, in relationships, in sex lives, in creativity. Um, And so we're going to be talking about their stories, our stories, really, my story too, in uh, dealing with these things, like healing from them, moving through them, learning to live with them. Those are really all different ways to say the same thing, by the way. (laughs) And... um, it's going to be funny, it's going to be soulful, it's going to be vulnerable, and um, I'm going to have lots of comics, comedians on the podcast, so, you know, we'll keep it light and playful, but we're, we're going to be talking about, like, also society, how these things exist in a capitalist context, with hustle culture, how, like, our culture is totally emotionally unintelligent and trauma-informed. So we'll be talking about individual experience. We'll be talking about how individual experience lives in this broader cultural context, giving some cultural commentary. And then um, the thing I'm perhaps most excited about is that the last half of every episode will be like a little bit of like a game show style segment situation where... um, Maybe I just will leave it 
leave it at that for now. <laughs> also, because I'm still figuring out like what exactly that will look like. I have some ideas, but we're going to make it fun. We're going to have the first part. Maybe you can expect like 70, 80 percent soulful, 20, 30 percent funny. And then the last part you can expect like 80, 90 percent funny, 20, 10 percent um, wholesome and like, you know, whatever fucking educational inspirational all these words that suck but um yeah uh we're gonna try our best to embody progressive values leftist anti-capitalist not heterosexist not fat phobic not racist <laughs> to the degree that you know we can do that i mean we're unfortunately all recipients of that shitty conditioning so i certainly I'm not going to promise anyone on this podcast will be perfect. Certainly not myself, but we're going to try to do all to hit all of these notes. Um, So, yeah, uh, that's that's kind of where I've been, why we're here now, where we're going. I'm really, really excited. I will say one last thing and bear with me. I'm working with like a really giant ass. Um. Well, I'm working with a giant ass, but I'm also working with this giant ass Google Doc where I've written many, many ideas. This is like a living case study about how to do something when you don't feel ready. This is like, this is me modeling anti-perfectionism to you. So just to give you one, a little bit more of what to expect We'll be deep diving into anxious attachment, trauma healing and therapy, healing journeys, ADHD healing journeys, both like skill building, like what has worked for people, but also like how they've worked through, you know, shame, conditioning, like not feeling like they belong. You know, there's tons of shaming at work around ADHD. We know this self-doubt and confidence things. Um, stories of healing from imposter syndrome, doing big creative things while overcoming self-doubt. Um, uh, yeah, trauma, attachment, relationships, all this kind of stuff. So uh, I think that's it. If you have listened to this um, moment, then thank you so much. <laughs> I know it was long and meandering and I appreciate you listening and being here and please turn on your notifications so you know when the next episode drops again it'll be in a little while but then hopefully they'll you know we'll have like a more of a clear idea of what this format will look like um because it's not going to be like this um usually and maybe never again me just talking just like this uh And yeah, if there was something that struck you, that felt right, that resonated in anything I shared today, like please hit me up, let me know. Um, And uh, yeah, I I just am really excited. I feel like this has been percolating, incubating in me for a really long time and it feels really good for it to take new form that feels right and refreshing and for this thing to finally see light and air and yeah I just think we're gonna do really wonderful things together so thank you love you bye